It is good to be here this morning. And I praise the Lord for the opportunity to come to your church and to be with you for the day. Um, I've been on the road for about a year and a half with Help Ministries. I'll tell you a little bit about that in a moment. But uh, I enjoy so much the different churches that I've been in to meet the folks and fellowship with them. Made a lot of friends. Enjoy that so much. And, and uh, I enjoy what I'm doing. And on the road just about all the time. I got home seven, I've been home seven days this year. And uh, I'm going to change that a little bit next year and be home a little bit more often. But uh, you'd be praying for me because I'm up here in the north. I'm from Georgia, outside of Savannah. Uh, I'm a Yankee transplant, and uh, I'm a southern gentleman. And uh, so uh, I'm glad to be up north. The only thing I'm praying for is that don't snow while I'm up here. I was up here last March, and that was the worst month you had, I think, all winter. And I was right smack in the middle of it. I was so glad to point my car back to George and say, let's get out of here. But uh, I enjoy the, the north. I grew up in the north, up near Buffalo on the dairy farm. And uh, I'm a New Yorker. Now, if you are from the south, uh, New York is considered New England. But if you're from uh, 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 Connecticut on up through, New York is not New England. I know that. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, let me tell you a bit about myself. You know, by the grace of God, I've been a pastor for 37 years. And uh, three years, I was involved in uh, starting Gateway Baptist Church, which doesn't exist anymore, but that was over in uh, North Brantford, Connecticut. And I turned that over to a pastor and came over to New York outside of Albany, where I pastored a uh, country church, uh, Valley Bible Baptist Church. Was there for 21 years, had a great ministry there, strong on missions and, and missions giving, and, and uh, I loved my ministry there. But then the Lord worked in my heart, and I wasn't expecting this, to move me down south. And uh, I went to Tennessee Temple University when I when I got saved and trained for the ministry down there. And when we left Chattanooga, Tennessee, Debbie and I both said we will never go south. You never say never to God. Amen. There's only one that can say never and stick to it, and that's God himself. You shall never perish. Amen. So uh, uh, so we uh, we went down to outside of Savannah, Hinesville, Georgia, military church. I pastored there for 13 years. And when I got down there, a pastor from the other side of the state came to see me and said, I hear you're the new preacher in town. I'm going to talk to you. And I said, sure, come on in. And he shared with me what's called Help Ministries. Stands for Help Evangelize Lost People. It's a unique ministry in a sense that they work with national pastors from mainly third world nations. Bring them into this country, get them into uh, independent Baptist churches like this one, and endeavoring to raise some support for them to go back to their nation and continue their work. Uh, they come from Central America, South America, Africa, Philippines, Indonesia, India, communist countries, and uh, they're independent from Mill Baptists. And these are these men, when they're brought over, are, are doing the work. We, we don't bring them over to train them. Uh, sometimes people have that misconception. They're already a pastor. They're, they're pastoring a church. But here's a, here's a, here's an exciting thing about them. They are soul winners. And they train their men to go out and start churches. And, uh, that's what we want in these men. And so we bring them in. They're here for about three months. And, uh, they present their ministry in different churches. We already have that set up for them before they come. And, uh, then we endeavor to raise anywhere from three to six hundred dollars a month. Now that's like three to six thousand dollars for an American missionary. And they can go back with that little and do so much more than what they're doing. They're doing it, but they can do more. And uh, it's a great blessing and a great help to them. They speak the language, as you saw in the video. They eat the food. They live the culture with little expense. One national said this. He said, whether you help us or not, we will continue to do the work of soul winning in church planning. But then he said this, but if you help us, we can do more. And that is true. 
and they are doing more, and we thank the Lord for them. So I said, bring them in, and for 13 years I had these nationals in my church, along with the American missionaries, had a mission conference every year, and uh, we supported both. And then uh, in 2016, God worked in my heart to step out of uh, the, being a pastor and to work with these nationals full-time. And so that's what I'm doing by faith, working with these nationals full-time. They're brought in three times a year, about eight to ten each time. And uh, it, it takes quite a work. They go through a screening process. And then, of course, an invitation is given to them to come to our country. That has to be taken to the American Council in that nation. And they, they will either approve it or not approve it. And just to give you an idea of the work it takes, uh, we usually have to give about 75 to 100 invitations to get 8 to 10 nationals in here. The American government turns the rest down. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tedious work, but it's well worth it. Um, some people said, well, you know, will they get over here and not want to go back? No, they want to go back because they have churches back there. And they have a burden for their people. And a burden to take the gospel beyond their people. And so they're with us, and then they go back and get back involved in the work. And so I surrendered. Uh, in 2017, I stepped out as pastor uh, in February. We got a new pastor while I was there, and uh, that church has sent me out. I'm out of Grace Baptist Church in Hinesville, Georgia, where I pastored. My home is there. My Debbie is there. Uh, she traveled with me over the summer, and, and she just needed to enjoy home for a little bit. And so uh, she's back home and, and uh, enjoying her church and, and just kind of catching up with things at home. And so uh, I, my ministry will be at, uh, going to pastors and trying to meet pastors and explain to them what we're trying to do with these men, try to get them to schedule them in their missions conferences or maybe a one-day Sunday. Also, I'll be making trips overseas to visit these nationals and to help them and be an encouragement to them. I'll take pastors with me, hopefully. I can see the work that's going on over there. And I love doing Faith Promise Mission Conferences. I've had them for 34 years of my life. God's richly blessed our churches with them. And uh, so I do some conferences here, and prayerfully I'll be doing them abroad as, as well. And uh, I'm raising support. <laughs> Isn't that something? I never thought I'd see the day I'd be on, on this end of the phone making calls. I was always on the other end. Hello. Amen. And so that's a little different for me. But you know what? God is faithful to His promise. And I'm not saying there have been some moments when, you know, uh, kind of like that father who said, Lord, I believe, help out my unbelief, but God has helped me. And he's been very good to Debbie and I and taking care of us. And you pray for us, if you would, that we can see our, our, our support raised and, and I give full attention to this. I'm doing, I'm doing two things. I'm raising my support as well as presenting help ministries. The man that got me involved in it passed away back in 2017. They asked me if I would take his place. And, and so I'm doing that. For two months of the year, I take the missionaries or the pastors around to the different churches in America. I work in Georgia, Alabama, one church in Mississippi, and New England, and New York. So that's quite a map, but uh, that's my territory. I have determined to come up to New England and New York in the summer months, in the spring months, and I know I'm pushing it right now. So I am praying that it will not snow. If you would please join me with that, I would appreciate it so much. I do not like the snow. You get away from it for 13 years, you do not like the snow. Okay? So praise the Lord. I, I hope you'll come back tonight. And if you have questions about health ministries, it's a great ministry. Uh, 13 years I've been exposed to them. These men are humble men. And we only bring them in to raise personal support. We don't bring them in to raise money for building programs or anything like that. We're not interested in that. 
and uh, just to try to help them out. Uh, they take that money back. They, they have some needs as a family, and but also they invest it in the work and training their men and helping those men get uh, to be sent out. So you pray for that, would you please? And and uh, if you got questions, uh, any questions, a fair question, we'll take that afterwards or maybe tonight. I'll be glad to try to answer that for you. And uh, your questions sharpen me as well. So I hope that you'll uh, you'll uh, come with some questions. Our time is moving fast. And so I want to get right in my study tonight. I still got that pastor in me. Amen. I just want to preach. All right. And uh, so uh, I want to uh, bring to you a message this morning and looking at my time here. What time do you want me done about Two o'clock? Two, two o'clock. Okay, amen, brother. Amen. I'm just joking, okay? <laughs> just joking. All right, put a smile on your face now. Amen. I would suggest that you look at your clock now and don't look at it later. Amen? All righty. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. I want to share with you what God put in my heart through the Scripture, through these men, for what I'm doing today. And this is my message I desire to take to churches throughout, throughout the Northeast as well as Alabama, Georgia, and Mississippi. And my question is simply this. What is your vision for worldwide missions? What is your vision? How would you define worldwide missions? I think that's a worthy question. You are in the business of taking, your pastor said this morning with a scripture that he read, we're going to take the, 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 the gospel throughout the whole world. This is why you're a church. What is your vision for worldwide missions? I want to show you this morning God's vision. God has a vision. It's backed up with a command, but he has a vision. And uh, if you're going with me to uh, Acts chapter 2 and put a marker in there, please. You know what I mean by marker? Just be able to turn back to it in a couple of minutes. And when you find Acts chapter 2, then go over to Matthew 28. All right? Acts 2, Matthew 28. And then when you get to Matthew 28, put a marker in there. Amen. And then our text this morning is Mark chapter 16. All right, so Acts chapter 2, and then Matthew chapter 28, and then Mark chapter 16. We're going to start with Mark 16 this morning. Very familiar passage of Scripture for this church. The Lord Jesus is risen. Aren't you glad we got a risen Savior today? He is not dead. He is alive. I wouldn't be here if he was dead. And he has come to his church. And if you go to Mark chapter 16, look at verse 14. The Bible says this. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. And then he said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now we know what damns a sinner. It's his unbelief in Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, he's got to believe in the gospel, because the gospel is the only way. There's no other way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by Jesus Christ. And so the gospel, receiving it and believing it is what saves a sinner. But if he never receives the gospel and never believes the gospel, then he's damned. And baptism, by the way, is just is a testimony that I'm a Christian, that I'm going to follow Jesus as the Lord of my life. But the verse I want you to especially focus on this morning is, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Father, thank you so much for this time. I've enjoyed myself. I always do. I love your churches. And dear Lord, I pray that you would help us to see to this morning what we need to see in this message, that we might make sure that our vision, for first of all, that we'll have one. And then what we have is Bible, scriptural, that it might motivate us in our love for you and our love for others with the gospel of Christ. And Father, there's someone here today that's not saved. Oh, Lord, may they realize how much you love them. 
Though you're a holy God and, and your holiness requires the judgment of an eternal hell, yet your love offers eternal life through Jesus Christ, who died for their sins and was buried and rose again and is alive forevermore. Have your way in every heart this morning, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I praise God I got saved through the influence of a Baptist church. I realize you don't have to uh, have the influence of a Baptist church to get saved. I understand all that. But I thank God that that's where I got saved. At the age of 17, I walked into a Baptist church for the very first time in my life. I was brought up a Christian scientist, and uh, my mother was very heavy involved in that. And, and I squawked and complained around 12, 13, and she said, all right, you don't have to go anymore. And I didn't go any place until I was 17 years old, and Perry Baptist Church was where I went. Now, there's a good reason why I went there. It wasn't to find out about God. There was a beautiful girl that went to that church. And uh, so I was graduating from high school. She was coming to become a senior, and I met her, and I said, could I... Would you, could I could I go out with you? She said, sure you can. I'll see you in church Sunday morning. I said, that's fine. I said, where do you go? She said, Perry Baptist Church. I said, what time do you want me there? She said, 10 o'clock. I said, I'll be there. Well, I got there, but when I dropped her off and, and I went home all excited that I could see this girl, uh, I got thinking, Perry Baptist Church, Perry ba- oh no, that's that Jesus Nut Church. You can't have any fun uh, with those people. But she was worth it. So I, I went ahead and went and I sat there and I thought for sure that she turned in a, a thesis on John Mills. I don't know how she knew so much about me that she gave to that pastor because I felt like that pastor was preaching right at me. And I was in the front row. I was a little bit back there. But boy, it felt like he was always looking at me. He preached on heaven. He preached on hell. He preached on sin. He preached on the Savior. Brethren, I, I never heard that kind of stuff before. And I was upset and I was mad and I was angry to think, who was he to tell me? that uh, I was going to hell. And I was determined when I walked out of that church. I would never, never, never go back to that church. Never! And I got to that back door, and you know how the pastors are, they're always there greeting you. Amen. And uh, Debbie brings me up to him, and she says, Pastor, oh, this is John Mills. And he says, well, John, it's so good to meet you. And he shakes my hand, and he says, are you coming back tonight? I thought, tonight? I've been here two hours. Isn't that enough? And I was seeing a man at him. I, you know, my mom taught me manners. You're still nice to people even though you're upset with them. Okay? And I thought, man. And I looked at Debbie and I looked at him. And I looked at her and I looked at him. I looked at her and I looked at him and I said, I'll be back. <laughs> and for just about a year, God drew me to that church. And the Holy Spirit kept pounding on my sinful heart. And he had to knock the pride out of me to think that I was sufficient in and of myself. I didn't need God. And uh, I'm not a bad person. And, uh, but over that time, God kept showing my sin, and, and my memory would bring up sin, and, and, and I, was, I had to go from pride to humble. And I had to recognize the holiness of God and how His holiness required the judgment of sin to be in eternal hell. And I, and I came to that place where I realized that's what I deserve. He's holy, I'm not. But praise God for His love. God's justice demands hell, but God's love offers eternal life as a gift through Jesus Christ. And I accept the Lord as my Savior and got saved. And now, just to kind of speed up that story, that lady's my wife today. But she made me prove that I was saved for two years before she would say yes. But anyways, um, moving on here. So I'm thankful for a Baptist church. I really am. I'm thankful for a Baptist church because I believe it's the Lord's church. I do. I believe when you study Scripture and you see what a church is according to Jesus, uh, we are a New Testament church. I believe that. Uh, our membership is church, is Bible doctrine. 
We are an assembly of people brought together by the Lord with a testimony of salvation in Christ as Savior, followed by believers' baptism. That's what makes the membership of this church. Our doctrine is Bible doctrine. I'm so glad I didn't bring a bunch of books up here and talk to you about the church fathers. I just brought one book. It's called The Word of God, the Bible. And everything that we believe and everything that we do is based on this word right here. This is Bible doctrine. That's why I'm thankful that I'm a Baptist. But let me give you one other reason why I'm thankful I'm a Baptist. Because Jesus promised to reproduce his churches throughout the ages until he comes again. He promised to reproduce his churches throughout the ages until he comes again. Look with me at Matthew 28 for just a moment. We're going to leave uh, uh, Mark for just a moment. Put a marker in there. Mark, Matthew 28. You know the verse. Verse 18. The resurrected Lord, same day, came and spake unto his church, saying... All power is given me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And then he said this, don't miss it. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now do you know what he was saying there? He was saying that he was going to be reproducing his churches throughout the ages until he comes to take us out of here. And brethren, there's never been a time on this earth since the Lord's return to heaven that his churches did not cease to exist. Every generation has had the presence of the Lord's churches. And I've got good news for you this morning. They're throughout the world today. They're in communist countries. They're in China. Amen. They're in places that are hard to get into, but there's God's churches there. And praise God, they're all around the world today. In Colossians 1 verse 18, you need not turn there. We're told that Jesus Christ is the head of the body, the church. Praise God, the head of, our, of this church is not some mortal, corruptible man, but the immortal, incorruptible Son of God. He's the head of this church. And praise God, our headquarters is not some city in this world. Aren't you glad it's not Rome? You'd be very confused if it was. But our headquarters is a heavenly city at the throne of God. That's this church right here. And as head of his church, he reproduces the churches with a command. What is that command? Go throughout all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And baptize the new believers and add them to the church. And teach them the commandments of Christ. And don't miss this. Reproduce churches who will go do likewise. Reproduce churches who will go do likewise. I've noticed in this church this morning, as I do just about in every church I go to, although there's been a couple exceptions, uh, there's good fellowship here. You seem to enjoy to see each other. I saw some hugs. And, and the shaking hands. And, uh, you know, you know, good fellowship. Praise the Lord for that. But that's not the purpose of the church. That's the blessing of the church. And by the way, you need that good fellowship. You really do to, to keep going. You need one another. The purpose of the church is to go throughout all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and baptize a new believer and add them to the church and teach them the commandments of Christ. And reproduce churches who will go do likewise. That's the command of the Lord. He gave it this morning. Your pastor gave it this morning. That's why you're a church. That's the purpose. That's the command. All these other things that we enjoy, they're needed. And they're blessings. But don't let them replace the purpose of your church. You are God's army. You are God's soldiers. Someone once said, and I've heard it more than once, the church is a hospital. I'll go along with that as long as it's an army hospital. Amen? 
As long as it's an army hospital. You know, for the most part, we Baptist churches have had a vision to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Or to, or to preach the gospel, I should say. We endeavor to evangelize our community and send God-called missionaries out of our churches to, to places around the world. I've been involved in missions for uh, for 42 years of my life. And uh, 37 of those as a pastor. Uh, I believe missions is a heartbeat of the church. I do. Because it's a heartbeat of God. If we lose our heartbeat for missions, this church will go in a direction that God never intended for it to go. It would be man's direction, not God's direction. I like the sign that says you're now entering the mission field. Missions, my brethren, does not begin across the seas. It's right outside those doors. It's your neighborhood. It's your workplace. It's your relatives right near you. Listen, it's right out there. And all of us are called to take the gospel uh, throughout the world. And praise God for the great missionary endeavors of our churches in America. One of the exciting things about these nationals when we bring them in is that when they give their testimony, they talk about the American missionary that came there and brought the gospel to their grandfather or their father. I'll tell you, we've made a tremendous impact in the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But brethren, here's what I want you to see this morning. And, and uh, I'm moving along fast, but I want you to see this morning we're losing ground. We're not gaining. We're going backwards. The world population is moving faster than we are. We have a population of 7.6 billion, and there's over 3 billion who've never heard the gospel before. Not just a John, a John 3.16. Never heard the gospel before. How can that be in this day that we live with our great mass communications when, when I can speak right here and they can see me around the world? We're losing ground. 57% of, of the world languages today are still in need of a completed Bible. Over 3,000 languages have not even a, a portion of God's Word. Not even John 3.16. Out of every two American missionaries that go to the mission field in the, beyond our shores, one comes back within two years. That's a high statistic. The United States wants a leading nation for sending missionaries around the world. Multitude of missionaries. Multitudes. Has now become a mission field. I've been to the airport for 37 years picking up speakers for uh, for special meetings. I always picked them up. I didn't let anyone else do it. I did it for two reasons. Number one, I could fellowship with them. Number two, I could take them out to dinner and the church pay for it. So I like that. <laughs> Amen. And uh, But over my years that I've been there three times, I've met Filipinos coming into this country as missionaries. I've met Japanese coming in this country as missionaries. I've met Koreans coming in this country as missionaries. And more and more nations are becoming hostile towards our nation, making it difficult for the American missionary to go there, and some nations are closing their doors to our American missionaries. We're losing ground. And yet may I remind you, what did, what did Peter say? There, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. People must hear the gospel if they're going to get saved. Who say amen to that? If they never hear the gospel, they, they don't get saved. The wages of sin is death, period. That verse goes no further. Today's the day of salvation. And yet multitude of souls whom Jesus died for and rose again are dying, even as I'm talking. And are going to an eternal hell because they never, never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're losing ground. Why are we losing ground? Oh, I can tell you why. I believe it's because of our population. 7.6 million people. That's a whole lot more than it was back in the Lord's day. No, that's not the problem. 
God doesn't give us commandments that we can't keep by his grace. Amen? That's not the problem. Oh, I know what the problem is. We don't have missionary, or, or men uh, serving to the mission field like we used to. Well, you've got that second part right, but that's not the problem. We are seeing a famine of young men and even older men in our churches surrendering to the mission field. Like, man, when I was, when I was back in the 70s, I'm telling you what, back in Highland Park Baptist Church down in Chattanooga, just about every service, there'd be some, someone, at least one, come forward saying, God's called me to the mission field. We don't have that today. We don't. That's not the problem. Well, I know what the problem is. Uh, you know, nations are becoming hostile to us and, and it's making, no, that's not the problem. I don't know what the problem is. We just don't have the resources. No, that's not the problem either. Because God owns it all. I'll tell you the problem is. Swing back to Mark 16, verse 15. And I'll show you the problem real quick. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. To every creature. Could I encourage you this morning, underline those last three words. Underline them. And if you don't believe in underlining your Bible, then hand it to someone that does. And underline those three verses. Because you see, that's the problem right there. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, we have a burden to reach the world with the gospel, but not every person throughout the world. Huh? We labor to reach the world with the gospel, but not every person throughout the world. That's why we got three billion plus people never heard the gospel. That's why we got three thousand languages that have a portion of God's word. We have a vision and a burden to take the gospel to the world, but not every person throughout the world. Let me ask you something. What's your vision for missions? I believe many of us here, I'm not going to say all of us, but when we think of missions, we think of the world. But we don't think of every person throughout the world. And so we've cut that vision down to be the world. And brethren, as long as we have a world vision, and not an every person throughout the world vision, we'll never reach this world of the gospel of Christ. We'll keep going backwards instead of forward. How can you say such a thing, preacher? Because the churches in the book of Acts had a command to take the gospel to every creature. They had a vision to take the gospel to every creature. And they did it. They did it. Wow. Could you quickly go to me Acts chapter 2? Can I show you that? Acts chapter 2. It's the day of Pentecost. Jews are gathered to observe the Feast of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost has come. Look at verse 5 with me. The Bible says they were dwelling at Jerusalem to Jews about men out of every nation under heaven. Now we need, we need to pay close attention to every word that God says. I think God means what He says. He said every nation under heaven. And then the power of the Holy Spirit came on that church and, and they began to speak of the wonderful works of God in these different languages that were represented by these nations. And soon a great crowd of, of Jews gathered around because they heard of the wonderful works of God in their own language and they wondered what was going on here. And then Peter stood up and he preached the gospel. Look at verse 41. After he preached the gospel, the Bible says, And they that gladly received his word, that is, they got saved, were baptized. And the same day they were added to them about 3,000 souls. Think about that, folks. 3,000 people got saved that day. They didn't just get saved, they got baptized too. I've had a lot of people get saved, but I must be frank with you. Uh, when you measure the statistic of how many have gotten baptized, it's, it's not as high. <laughs> Amen? 3,000 that day. And here's my question for you. Where did they come from? They didn't come from Jerusalem. We were just told, out of every nation under heaven. 
You know who they were? I've got a name for them. Nationals. Nationals. And look at verse 42. They continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. What do you think the apostles taught them? Well, Jesus said, teaching them all things, most of I commanded you. And uh, he said, going to all the world and preaching gospel to every creature. So therefore, they taught those people, going to all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature. Now, quickly, I'm going to remove here, go to chapter 8, look at verse 3 with me. While you're turning there, this is a chapter of persecution. The church is under heavy persecution by Saul. He's determined to stamp out the way. And, uh, and uh, he's a murderer. He's murdered Christians. He's, he's put kids on the street as orphans. And if you look at verse 3, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hauling men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, get that now, everywhere preaching the word of God. Hey, listen, there was great persecution. It came upon the church and they went everywhere preaching the word. They didn't just go somewhere, they went everywhere. And wherever they went, they preached the gospel. Do you know why they did that? Because they had a command and a vision and a burden to take the gospel to every creature. To take the gospel to every creature. But my question to you this morning is, who were they? You see, the church at Jerusalem was still there. And maybe some of the residents left. But my thinking is this. Those that went everywhere preaching the gospel were those nationals. Who went back to their nation and the regions beyond. With a command to preach the gospel to every creature. And a vision to preach the gospel to every creature. And they reproduced churches in their nation and the regions beyond. Who went throughout the land with a command and a vision to preach the gospel to every creature. And they reproduced uh, churches in that nation and the regions beyond. To, to, uh, with a command and a vision to preach the gospel to every creature. And they multiplied and multiplied and multiplied the churches. Now, quickly, Acts 9, verse 31. Saul got saved. Isn't that wonderful? One of the most powerful conversions in the Bible that you read about. By the way, could I say this? Oh, i got to stay my course. But there's power in your testimony. Always be willing to share your testimony, how you got saved. And right after Saul's conversion, look at verse 31. Then had the churches. Oh, we went from church to churches. But it gets better. Rest throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. Oh, wow. They're all over the place. Amen. But it gets better. And were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. You know what that means? It means churches were popping up all over the place. They're being, they're, they weren't doing one at a time. They were popping up all over the place. Maybe four over here, three over here, five over here. Where'd they come from? Not Paul. He hadn't started his missionary journey yet. I propose to you it was the nationals who went back to their nation and the regions beyond with a command and a vision to preach the gospel to every creature and reproduced churches throughout the nation and the regions beyond that they went throughout their nation and the regions beyond with a command and a vision to preach the gospel to every creature. And churches were multiplied. Churches were multiplied. And brethren, please get this. If we're going to reach 7 billion plus people with the gospel, we must multiply our churches. We must. That's God's plan. He didn't call the Protestant Reformation to reach the world. Right. He called us to do it. His churches. We've got to multiply them. We've got to multiply. Right here at home, by the way. Providence. Uh, Three places, I think you mentioned. Praise the Lord. 
We need to multiply them. Not just one, multiply them. If we're going to reach the world, the gospel of Christ. But quickly, Acts 19, verse 10. Let's look at Paul and see what he taught. He's the missionary. You think of a missionary in the book of Acts, you're going to come up with Paul. Three missionary journeys. Look at verse 10. The Bible says in Acts 19, verse 10, this continued by the space of two years. That is, he was in Ephesus for two years. Now watch the rest of the verse. So that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. <laughs> Did you get it? See, sometimes we read scripture kind of fast. But it says here, all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. Not some of them. Not most of them. All of them. Age is a big area. Huh? And just to make sure you understand that God meant all of them, God said both Jews and Greeks. You know what a Jew is? He's a non-Greek. You know what Greek is? Non-Jew. Everyone heard the gospel. How in the world could that be? I'll tell you how it could be. Because Paul taught his churches to multiply themselves with a command and a vision to take the gospel to every creature. And they did it. They did it. Let me show you. Oh, my. I can't show you. First Thessalonians chapter 1. Oh, my. I wish. Paul. Turn there. Turn there. Blame your preacher. Turn there. Amen. Don't blame me. Blame him. Okay. Paul's second, uh, Paul's second missionary journey started this church. Just, just follow along. This is so exciting. Look at this, folks. And he said in verse 6 of 1 Thessalonians, You became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Verse 7, So that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Verse 8, For from you signed out the word of the Lord not only in Macedonia, by the way, that's where Thessalonica was located, and Achaia, that bordered Macedonia, but also, now watch this, in every place, your faith to God's word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. <laughs> Do you realize what Paul, who said for, uh, for me to live uh, is Christ to die is gain, who said, woes unto me if I preach not the gospel. Do you realize what he was just saying there? He's saying, listen, I have gone where you already have been and you've done such a thorough job, I really don't have to say anything. How could that be? I'll tell you how it could be. They had a command and a vision. Take the gospel to every person. Yeah. And they did it. Colossians 1.23. That's my last verse. They did it. They did it. I'm just going to read the verse to you. Colossians 1.23. This is a church, by the way, that Paul had a part in establishing. He's writing to them. He said, if you continue in the faith, Colossians 1.23, grounded in sound, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Amen. Now, I'm going to take God at His word. Every person heard the gospel back in the book of Acts, the first generation of churches. Amen. And not since have we seen it happen. Not since. You read church history all you want, you won't find another generation where every person heard the gospel. I'll tell you why. Somewhere along the way, we lost the command and vision, the gospel to every person. The gospel to every creature. Some say every creature is just another way of referring to the world. It doesn't literally mean every creature. Come on. You know why we say that? Because we can't phantom every person receiving the gospel. But God can. Amen. And that's God's desire. And that's God's command. If God's in it, it can be done. Amen. Others say, well, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it just refers to the known world. <laughs> 
I've tried to figure out what the known world is. But Paul said in Romans 1.8, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Every person. And uh, here's what we need to see. You know, I'll try to wound this up and close it down. If we're going to reach every person with the gospel of Jesus Christ, then God will use his Baptist churches throughout all nations to do it. God never called America to reach the world. But I'll tell you what I think he has called us to do. How many of you have been to a third world nation before? Okay. Pretty poor, isn't it? Pretty rough. Oh, there's some rich elite. But the majority of the nation is a... They, they just go from one day to the next trying to make ends meet. How about America? God has so blessed our land. Can I be frank with all of you in this room this morning? And I'm not trying to offend you, but you're rich. You really are. When you take what you have and compare it to the standard of the world, you're rich. Preach, you don't know my finances. I don't need to. God knows. And you're rich. And I believe America's responsibility. We need to keep sending our missionaries. I'm all for the American missionary. I really am. My record proves it. 13 years at Grace Baptist Church. Uh, we supported American missionaries along with the nationals. When we support American missionaries for $100, I would support four nationals for 100 That's That's multiplication, by the way. <laughs> Multiplying. And here's what I believe that we in America need to realize and get focused on, what, on God's heartbeat for the world and take the, the, the finances that the master has put into the steward's hands. We're stewards. Right. We're not owners. Right. And to have God's heartbeat for missions and start investing in these national pastors and missionaries who are not only training their men to go start churches, they're doing it. They're multiplying it. Churches all around the world. And brethren, if we will do that, I believe we can see a generation once again where every person receives the gospel of Christ to whom much is given, much is required. But we'll never see that if we don't get a hold of God's vision for missions every person. Christ didn't die for just a few, my brethren. He didn't shed his blood for a few. He's not only the propitiation for your sins, but he's the propitiation for the sins of the whole world. That's everyone. And God desires people to hear the gospel. I want to challenge you this morning. What's your vision for missions? By the way, your life will soon be over. How do you know that? We're born to die. Unless the Lord comes back. You know what? I always like to throw this in my message. I'm 66 years old. You know why I like to throw that in there? Because I don't look it. I love to ask people how old I am. One guy said, well, let's see, you must be near 70. Boy, that got me upset. <laughs> I just try, I say that to say this. Where did all the years go? I don't know how many more years I got. That's up to God. I'm just trying to point out to you, today's today to do something for God. Not tomorrow. Today. What's your vision for missions? I want to challenge you. If it's just the world, stretch it. Make it every person. I was uh, traveling home from New York last year. From New York last year, you can run the And uh, I was actually going up to Middleburg to do a uh, speaking at North East Line Conference. 
Hey. Our God is a great God. The vision He has is really overwhelming. And I believe we often quote verses, without me you can do nothing. People quote them for baseball teams and football teams. and We as people have such a small vision. I'm glad that God has a vision that's beyond what we can even comprehend. We like to say God has a worldwide vision, and it's true, but it's really beyond the scope of what we can imagine. We think of countries, and we don't even know what that country entails. God sees every single person in that country. Almost 8 billion people in this world, God knows every single one of their names. And He wants the Gospel to get to them. And He wants to use us. We cannot be overwhelmed to inaction. We must trust God and act in accordance to His will. We have to. God wants us to have His vision, His understanding, His way. God wants to use us. He wants to use this church to reach the world. Not the world, but every person in it with the Gospel. And so He's multiplied churches around the world. He wants to use ours. May God help us. You pray for me. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We've got to pray. I'd like you to do something. I'd like you, number one, I'd like you to confess to God that your vision, mine too, is too small. It's personally too small.
Ask Him to forgive you. Lord, please forgive me. I'd like you to ask Him to enlarge your your vision. Your understanding of what He can do. What He can do in and through you. He's called us as a church to do it together. It's going to mean a lot of things. It's going to mean personal evangelism. It's going to mean seeing a vision that an understanding that America is not needed for the gospel to go around the world. We don't need an American missionary in every country in order for the gospel to go around the world. We don't. It might be, and I don't know the mind of God, but it might be that some nations and many nations are closing and have closed communism, atheism, closing to American missions so that we as Americans stop thinking in our pride that we have to be the ones that do it. It may mean that we strategically find men who are ready to reach their nation with the gospel. They need help. We have a lot more money than them. You know, it costs on average over $75,000 for an American missionary to go overseas. Most of these places, it's less than $10,000 for a man to live and minister and to have the freedom to do so. I praise God that I have the freedom to minister and to labor and to pastor because this church supports me in that. These men need help. And we need to help them. I'm glad that we have ministries that are going to help us know with wisdom who to support. You know, I at least once a week, I get an email or a Facebook message or some other communication from somebody in India or Mexico or, or from Africa. And they say, we're doing a great work for the Lord. We need money. How do I know? <laughs> I could say, well, I, I'll give you $1,000, but that $1,000 may be going towards some ungodly thing. I'm glad that we have men and women in ministries that help us to know with wisdom. We need to support that. Ask God to help. Lord, I pray and ask that You'd have Your hand upon our church. Lord, I thank You for the work that's being done in these gospel meetings and the planting of churches. Lord, there needs to be a church in Westerly. A Bible-believing Baptist church. Lord, I pray that You'd help us to reach every soul in Cherahoe, in Richmond, Hopkinton, Charlestown. Lord, I pray that You'd you'd give wisdom for the starting of a church in Westerly. Lord, help us to have a vision. 
I don't know how there can be multiplied disciples without multiplied churches. Help us to have a vision. I've read through the book of Acts and I've wanted multiplied disciples. I've thought, how can we do that? In the end, it has to be because there's another church. Independent. Ministering, I pray and beg you to help us. Give us a vision. Give us a unity of vision. Lord, help us to go forward by faith and live for You to do the work that You have for us to do. Bless the help ministries. Oh, Father, please have Your hand upon the multiplied men who are pastoring around this world. Use them today. Help them to make disciples, multiplied disciples. Lord, help us to reach every creature in this world, please. Watch over us. Attend unto us this afternoon. I ask this in Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I'd ask you to come tonight and be here with us. I'm going to take a special offering for the ministry. If you say, I'm not going to come tonight and you'd like to give... Uh, please, uh, there's the offering plate right up here. Leave that today. Tonight, I was he's talking about fellowship. I appreciate his uh, encouragement. Tonight, tonight, after we're done, I'd like to have some pie and ice cream together. And uh, we're Baptists, so that makes sense. So we'll have pie and ice cream after service tonight. Come on out and join us. And uh, I'm not doing pie and ice cream because I want to get you to come. Um, because it's because if you do come, I want to be able to spend time and fellowship and enjoy eating together. But come tonight. God bless you guys, brother. Why don't you go out and prepare to to meet some of the folks as they exit out? We're gonna leave with a blessing, forego our last song for today. But let's all stand together, and uh, we're glad you're here. We've got several guests today. We're glad you're here. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, what I mean by that is that you have not believed with all your heart that He died on the cross for your sin and rose from the dead. And you have not personally asked that living God to be your Savior. You've got to be saved. I was saved when I was 19 and I praise the Lord He saved me. But if you're not saved, you need to be saved. And I can show you what the Scripture says on how that happens. I'd like to meet with you. I have a little room over here. I'd like to meet with you and sit down and show you in the Scripture what that means. So come see me afterwards. Let's pray. Father, would You send us home this afternoon with the burden that You have. Not overburdened, but burdened with the burden that You have. So much so that we cast all our care upon Thee. For You careth for us. You careth for every soul. Send us with this thought and with this rejoicing that You are God. Please, we pray in 